and welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Today on the program, we have an interview with Brett Newski of the band Newski. Uh, and I had a great time talking to Brett about uh, a lot of different stuff. We didn't talk a ton about his podcast. He has a, a pretty cool podcast, but he didn't want to promote that. So we're going to uh, stay away from it. Uh, you should definitely check it out. I'll just uh, say that. Um, his podcast is called Dirt From The Road. Um, he, it's kind of similar to Concert Pipeline. If you like Concert Pipeline, you'll definitely like Dirt From The Road. Uh, so sorry, Brett, there's your plug. Uh, I put it out there anyway. Uh, we had a really, really fun chat though. I mean, dug deep into his new album that is coming out called Fred Rock, where he got together a bunch of friends, uh, not all together at the same time, but all spread out throughout the uh, album that he collaborated on uh, different songs with. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that um, and uh, his path and, uh, with music, kind of where he's at right now. So much fun stuff to get into. Uh, so we'll do that in just a, in just a moment. Before we do, uh, make sure you, to subscribe to the program on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're, you're checking out the podcast. Like, like it on YouTube, do that stuff, share it with friends. Uh, it really helps to uh, get the word out uh, in that regard. Um, see what is going on in my life. I'm practicing and getting ready for a century ride in May. I'm going to do a hundred mile bike ride with my buddy Joe. Uh, and I'll tell you, the weather's not cooperating for it. Uh, it's, it's a challenge. It is a challenge to work through the, the weather stuff because on weekends it decides to rain here. And then we're like, oh gosh, how are we, how are we going to get out? You know, we don't want to uh, be biking in the rain. I mean, we could bike in the rain, but we're also trying to work in some hills as well. And, uh, and there's an area in Napa that uh, we really like to like to bike that has a really steep incline. And then we zoom down it on the way, uh, on the way back. That's a, that's a lot of fun, but don't want to be doing that if the road is slick, so we can't hit that area. So, um, so we're kind of, uh, we're kind of trying to leverage where we're going to be biking, but we, uh, we made a commitment to get out for a ride this weekend. Um, we were saying uh, originally that we do it, uh, at my house, uh, you know, in my area, because I live 45 minutes away from, from Joe now. And, uh, and we do it here. There's not a lot of hills here though. And, uh, and then we got the rain challenge and the, to work with. So, um, we're, I think we're going to make it happen though, um, in Joe's neck of the woods in Napa, uh, and get some miles in after the rain lets up on, uh, uh, you know, on Sunday. So, that's that's what's going on there, but we got to get ready. We got a hundred miles uh, all in one day in in May to uh, to get ready for, and we need to put some miles under us to be able to kind of build up that endurance. We did it last year; uh, it was great, and we had a good uh, training regimen. The weather was a little kinder though to us, if I remember correctly. So we were able to uh, practice more, uh, and we're down to like eight or nine weeks uh, until the actual uh, ride. So so that's coming. Um, this is episode 397 of Concert Pipeline. Uh, we've been going at this for a long time, um, a long time at this point, uh, since 2014. And so we're working on our 10th year now, but we have a bigger milestone coming up uh, in the more immediate future, and that is episode 400. So each, uh, each century uh, episode, I like to do something different and creative and fun. Um, for episode 100, we had... Uh, Brendan James on the program. He came over to my house and uh, and played 
uh, some songs and did an interview uh, on the patio while it was raining, actually, uh, uh, all around us. So we did a little live in the vineyard sort of thing. Episode 200, we had Ben Fong Torres from Rolling Stone magazine uh, on the program and made famous from almost the movie, almost famous. He was portrayed in that movie. Uh, and I interviewed him at his home. Uh, 300, we did a tricentennial. That was a very COVID century uh, episode where uh, my former co-host Joe Wilson and Yen Schippel uh, joined virtually and we did a live episode. And uh, yeah, we had Flogging Molly on, one of our favorite bands. Uh, they were they were really cool, and we did a live episode around that. Played a bunch of clips and played some games and did some drinking. And uh, Joe and I were toying with doing that sort of thing again uh, for this milestone, but instead, I figured we bring in uh, our favorite musician, and that is Mr. Andrew McMahon. Um, so, pretty excited for that one. We did the interview this this week, and so we're I'm gonna have to hold it for a couple more weeks. Um, he has a new album coming out. Uh, at the end of the month. Uh, so um, I highly recommend his new album. It is, it is freaking great. Um, but we'll get to that in, in episode 400 and we'll get to talk to Andrew McMahon uh, for, for that episode. So stay tuned, subscribe, all reasons to subscribe, right? So um, I'm not going to stall anymore. Uh, like I said, uh, Brett Newski uh, has a new album that, that's coming out called Friend Rock. I want to play a song from, uh, from Friend Rock uh, right now here on, on the program. Uh, and this is a song called uh, Chemicals. Here it is.
program uh, to talk about friend rock and everything um, of, uh, to do with Nooski band and his music. Here it is. Brett, Sweet. how are you doing today? How's your week treating you so far? Steve Jones. Hey, man. Thanks for thanks for the hospitality. Of course. Of course. Yeah. You, your week off to a good start? Uh, yeah, I just got out of my uh, portable sauna that I bought for $100. It sits in the corner of my little tiny bedroom and I just sitting there and sweat my ass off uh four times a week it's pretty good nice so you have a you have a routine right you you go to the, the sauna pretty frequently yeah, you know it's pretty hard to like break a good sweat in the winter um just because i mean i live in wisconsin so it's like icy cold it's there's an ice storm right now so it's pretty hard to get out and jog a lot of days um so yeah anytime i can just get a workout in at home it's it's huge i mean i uh, i'm in kind of a constant push and pull battle against uh you know the winter depression blues so it's pretty important steve my uh dishwasher's running i'm just gonna flick it off real quick so it's yeah you're good make a bunch of noise there we go okay got it okay we're good we're clear as you cool. were Yes. So a uh, winter in Wisconsin, you're telling me about it. So I, uh, I went to Wisconsin in 2019 in the winter, uh, saw the bears versus the Cubs. Um, and, uh, the bears and was... versus the Cubs. No, I'm sorry. Rob sport. That, was, that would be an awesome match. Bear, yeah. That'd be uh, a good <laughs> at Lambeau field bear bears versus the, the Packers. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you're like, thank you for correcting me. I didn't even catch it when I said it. You're like, interesting. Oh, that'd be worth money. That'd be a good ticket, you know. <laughs> yeah, and they they had many baskets that they that they scored. And it was great. No, nice. it was it was seven degrees and it was cold. So as I said, I'm from California and we don't do, we don't play that game. So, uh, but it was but it was an awesome game uh, still, and it was uh, and it was a great trip. So. Hell yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But you have you lived in Wisconsin your whole life? Uh, no, I lived in uh, I lived in Asia for a couple of years in Vietnam, and I lived in uh, and yeah, that's it. And then I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, um, and and so from uh, Wisconsin, I, I I have one thing to kind of tie into your new album also because you have a, a new song, uh, "Only Macaulay Culkin can, can Save Us Now." Um, have you been to the Home Alone house, which is an hour away from you? <laughs> in chicago yeah uh, i haven't i haven't been there yet um i'm a big home alone fan i'm a big culkin fan um but uh yeah no that's definitely on the bucket list i must have seen home alone one and two collectively like 104 times each so yeah i remember just like being young going to see that movie and back in the days where movie theaters were packed and it was like a big event and just thinking yeah. like gosh i wish i like i wish i was friends with macaulay culkin that's all i could ever think about i just wanted to be best friends with the man and uh so hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll get to meet him in real life and get him to uh, sign my uh, my my VHS. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I walked by him in an elevator once. Uh, you know, at, uh, at a radio station. So. Um, Did you feel his glowing blue aura? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was magical. Uh, but I did go to the home by the home alone house as well uh, on that trip to Wisconsin. I, I, I was with an ex-girlfriend who was from there. So we were visiting with her family and everything and, uh, and we found that it was like an hour away. Uh, she's in Elkhorn or her family's based in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And, uh, and so we we're like, okay, let's, let's do it. You know? And wait, so uh, can you go tour the house or you just drive no, by it? You drive by, you take, take, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mom is standing outside. Right. So, uh, no, they, they have it gated off now in front, in front of the house, but you can take pictures in, in front of it. So, and we went to some of the spots and from the movie, you know, that, that are in the area also like the ch- nice. by, by the church and, uh, and where the drugstore is and all of that. Right. So. Really? Like, never thought to do that yeah nice. it's a, a new activity for you so <laughs> um yeah lots to cover uh i want to start with like well let's start with kind of the music that was on in your household as a kid like tell me about what your what your parents were listening to like uh and what you what you were raised listening to yeah well i, I were my earliest remember memories of 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 media and music is was the batman forever soundtrack on cassette i remember having that mm-hmm. i remember buying a hootie and the blowfish like single cassette tape from the gas station it was yeah. so crazy because this was like a time like pre-internet where one of the only places to buy physical music was this like shitty gas station like down the street from my parents house which is now bulldozed and they would have like eight different cassettes like collective souls cassette single hootie and the blowfish probably mariah carey and boys to men or some shits but um yeah so i remember getting that and then when cds came around i mean you remember when best buy was like the cd haven oh yeah Yeah. you know that was like that was like a magical aisles to roam down you know you just i remember just like saving up every week to get a new cd with my mcdonald's money and sometimes just buying CDs based off cover art, which uh, I don't know if that still happens today, but, um, you know, I mean, not to sound like an old codger, but uh, there just wasn't as much music. So it was all way more valuable. Like everything meant a lot more. It doesn't mean it was any better or worse. It was just like, if you could get your hands on a CD, you're going to eat up all 14 of those tracks, even if they uh, you listen to the whole thing, tracks. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. The bonus tracks, the ones that were hidden in, in the uh, album, right? Like you wait 30 seconds or a minute and then there's this other track at the end, right? Yeah, the hidden track. I guess my question to you is why would you ever call a song a bonus track? Because it just makes people think it's a piece of shit, you know? <laughs> it's like a redheaded stepchild of the album. It's uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a new era, so we should be calling them different things like uh, magic, secret, hit, or something. I don't know. So put something in parentheses other than bonus track. It could, it could do better, but there's not, there's not a lot of those anymore, really, though, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever done a bonus track on one of your albums? Or a magic secret hit on one of your albums? Uh, I don't think we've ever done a secret song. I do remember this, and uh, now it's coming back to me. In uh, in our high school ska band, three blocks to Murdoch, we you know we would CDR and print our own CDs of our like six song EP. And I remember I wasn't at the the band house one day, and the band always made fun of me because I didn't have a girlfriend. And they just made fun of me for being uh, like a, a gay American, which is uh, what you do in middle school. I mean, I'm a straight man, yeah. but you know how it is. Everything was gay when you were in middle school. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, but they snuck on a secret track on the end of our EP, uh, a, like a lo-fi song they made on a cassette tape about me being a loser and not having a girlfriend. And then they put it out on our as in our CD. And it, I remember being so pissed off. That was like before I could handle a joke, you know? 
Yeah, you didn't, and you didn't know about it until you had to find out about it afterwards. Huh? No, people were like, hey, love the last <laughs> song on the album. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, yeah, then I found out and, uh, you know, you're 14 years old, so you got no self-esteem. So it was, it was kind of brutal, but it was, looking back, it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you about your ska band. Uh, so were you a big ska fan back in the day, too? Were you into Real Big Fish and... Yeah. No, I didn't even know what ska was. We just, uh, we put a flyer up at a local music store, Cassio Interstate in uh, New Berlin, Milwaukee area, and uh, just joined the first band that uh, hired us, which happened to be a ska band from neighboring city of Wauwatosa. And, uh, you know, the all these kids were into punk rock and power pop and uh, emo, so it all overlapped. Um, we had a lot of the same records and a lot of the same musical interests. There was just horn players in the band. I was like, I was like, why is there, why are there horn players in the band? But it, it turned out to be awesome. And then I found a love for ska music. And um, yeah, I get they turned me on to all that stuff like Mad Caddies, yeah, Real Big yeah. Fish, Streetlight Manifesto. You know, all four ska bands that existed. And, right, uh, right. And I had all their CDs. So yeah, it was a nice era. You know, when we smashed seven, eight people down in this little concrete abyss of a of a basement you know it was a great basement i had my first kiss in that basement uh had to conceal a boner throughout an entire band practice it was not easy you know 14 year old uh self it was tough yeah no things pop up really quickly at that age right so it's impossible to not have a boner when you're 14 it's just a yeah. constant struggle it's a permanent thing yeah exactly uh, they, they make pills for it now but really at that at that age if it lasts more than four hours it's normal right so yeah it's crazy man i don't know i've never tried a viagra i'm gonna try to save that to the to the to the fourth quarter of life hopefully i don't need it i don't know how that works if everyone needs it eventually or what but i try not to think about it you know yeah, yeah as long as it's not now you know okay sorry <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so I was thinking Real Big Fish, you know, their song sell out because you worked at, uh, at McDonald's for two years. Um, and uh, and so the, the line in sell out, no more flipping burgers, putting on that silly hat, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, uh, I worked at In-N-Out Burger for seven years. And so that line resonated to, to me as, you know, kind of a Scott Cannon. It's funny you bring that song up um, because that was the first song I ever sang as a singer. Really? Um, yeah, sell out by Real Big Fish. It's, it's crazy. Just thinking of that now, um, because our singer Hunter Johnson quit to pursue acting. So then everyone else in the band had to like step up and sing like four or five songs. And uh, I was like a de facto singer, didn't know how to sing. I remember hearing my voice back on tape, uh, yeah. like on a cassette player, and it was horrifying. You know, I was like, I sound horrible. <laughs> and uh, but it was it was huge. So I owe a lot to Hunter Johnson for uh, quitting the band. You know. Yeah, yeah. We interviewed Rubik Fisher a couple of times back in the day, too. Like, I mean, um, in different shows that I've done. And uh, and I remember at their show, I was with, you know, some friends and like and people were, were skanking and I didn't know what skanking was. And and so I'm like asking my friend, I'm like, are you trying to mosh or what's happening, you know? And, <laughs> and yeah, diet like, mosh. I know, right? He's like, no, it's called skanking. And then, you know, after the show, we did it in the parking lot, you know, and everything. So oh yeah fun. good times yeah i remember doing that and like uh you know we weren't religious but for some reason half of our shows would end up being in church basements so it'd be a bunch of punk kids with a half a dread uh you know skanking and under a christ cross you know in some shady basement in wauwatosa good good times yeah so how long did you have the ska band before you went to to your next band 
So we were a band from age 14 to 17, pretty much a lot of high school. And then we did like a reunion show a year after college, which felt so weird. Um, and we kind of kept in touch for a few years after school, but uh, you know, everyone just lost touch uh, for the most part. Uh, and then after that, I went to University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. I had like a 90s bar band. I was only 18 when I put it together. So we couldn't actually play in a lot of the venues or bars yeah. we you know we could sneak in one or two and for the most part we just like got drunk and uh had what we called party practices where we just would drink a box of wine and play 90s covers and it was a great time um so yeah it was kind of a long slow trajectory and figuring it out but it was all you know 90s kind of alternative jangle pop you know what are this what is this genre called power pop modern power yeah. pop, permanent wave all these kind of genre names are uh you know my my favorite kind of music growing up as a little kid um my pops I asked my pops why he didn't have beatles records around because that would have probably been pretty useful to have as a songwriter but he said he was just he worked at a classic rock radio station so he was so burnt out on beatles by the time i was born he just didn't have any other records oh god he got into you, like a lot of stuff. 90s stuff together like a lot of great wuss rock and uh better than Ezra and gin blossoms yeah you know, great great stuff so um stone temple pilots Beck, all that kind of stuff was big for me oh for sure for sure i, I mean we're about the same age i'm a couple of years older so i grew up on a lot of the same stuff nice. that, that, that you did so. so you've been in music journalism for like a, a long time hey oh i started interviewing bands when i was like 18 you mentioned better than Ezra. they were like our first band interview that i ever did for nice. any of my shows you know nice. so yeah what was that I, for what publication um I, I just did public access tv shows to start out with with friends just to you know That's i was awesome. always i was always interested in the creative part and and tv production i went to school for tv production and uh and and all of that and then so it's just this thing that's been with me forever um interviewing bands and uh i, I mean I, i've taken breaks you know from it but it's always this thing that's kind of come back and i enjoy doing you know so. yeah here's a question for you steve don't you like I, i've been running a podcast for about two years just kind of yeah interviewing bands on their weirdest road moments and biggest meltdowns and stuff like that um what do you like sometimes i find like music journalism to be like how do you throw curveballs at bands to, so they're not asked the same question as they've been asked like a thousand times you know like do you have like a go-to question if you're like struggling and trying to get something out of them and it's just a tough interview? Like what's a good curveball question, maybe not even related to music. So it's funny you ask that. Um, I, I don't do that as much anymore. I just, especially now with zoom, like I just try and have a natural conversation. I know about the band before I do the interview, re research it and, and everything, listen to their, their music and, and what have you. Right. But, um, but I have had some sticky moments in the, when I was younger where I said things that I probably shouldn't have and, uh, and kind of gotten into some tough spots, like interviewing Danzig at 1.30 in the morning after I was blown off from his inter the interview that was set up. Uh, it's supposed to be at like 5.30. I was not having a great day either. I got locked out of my car and uh, had to get roommates to bring me my keys, my, my cell phone, which was not, I mean, this is 2005 era, right? So before the iPhone even existed, it was yeah. like dead on, on its last bar. I made the interview finally happen at 1.30 in the morning. Uh, I, you know, so I was a little irritable. But so I asked Danzig, uh, you know, you know, about the misfits going on without him. Uh, and uh, and he's like, well, well, they didn't. And, I'm, you know, and I'm not the biggest misfits fan, uh, but I'm like pretty sure I, that they did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, but 
but they did, right? Like what they did. He's like, no, no, they didn't. You were smart. Now you're pretty dumb. And he's a small guy, but he's got, he was definitely more built than me back then, especially, right? Yeah. And I'm on his tour, tour bus. And so, and that happened like a day after Jared Leto kicked my video camera, uh, you know, for 30 seconds. It was a tough week that week. But uh, <laughs> Were you throwing him hardball questions? I, uh, I didn't Leto? think that was... Oh, so Jared's, Jared's situation was different. Like his, I interviewed 30 seconds to Mars. Uh, he didn't show up for the interview. Uh, supposedly he was having lunch with his mom or something. Fine. You know, not all the band members show up. I don't even care. I interviewed his brother, who's a drummer and the rest of the band on their tour bus and, and everything. And so I was cleared to shoot video of their, their set through the publicist, through the tour manager, the promoter of the, at the venue. I knew I had worked with her a bunch, right. Uh, in, in different capacities. And like, and he like, during this uh the songs like he flips me he flips me off and then uh does a like a cut motion and i thought he was just like playing for the camera and what have you yeah. and he comes over and puts his boot to the side of uh of the the camera and then i'm like oh okay and then the, the promoter pulls me she's like what happened and then i don't know and then it went from there there like uh i did something that in my 20s that i probably shouldn't have at that point right where i gave the footage to a friend and he edited it together and like it was during their song attack and he made it into a video when b-list celebrities attack uh okay. and, <laughs> and it got onto a like a perez hilton type site you know yeah. and blew up my myspace and all of that right so uh you know so i was more doing that on purpose like it sounds like I mean, a, yeah it sounds like he was I, playing for the camera or something I don't, I've heard he's a dick. I never got to meet him at, uh, directly or anything, right? He strikes so, me as a guy who may have like but, overdosed on yoga or something. <laughs> he, he could have, right? And he's definitely very into his characters and his his stuff, right? So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, his foot touched my camera. Then I, I had to, you know, reel it in with the publicist and everything afterwards. And, oh, that sounds like, fun. I, I took the video off fine and all of that, but, uh, but, I was like, you, you do the crime, you do the time, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah totally. No, that's fair. I mean, yeah, put that but up. I don't go for hard hitting questions anymore, though. I mean, really, I just want to connect and get to you know know the music and have these conversations and hear yeah, yeah, stories sure. and everything. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, but I can. Do you think you can overdose on yoga? That this is a theory <laughs> I have because it's like to the point where like like you just zen out so hard and you find so much peace that other human beings are just a complete nuisance and you're like you no longer relate to anyone on earth and you, you punt their camera or you know what i think that's a real thing that happens to people you're you're on a level that other people are just wouldn't even understand right like you're just on a different you, you plane can just, right? i swear you can just meditate your way straight off the goddamn planet if you, if you do it too much it's like Chris Farley and Beverly Hills Ninja, where you're just floating through the air and everything, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I don't know if it's ad advanced or what, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's it seems possible, especially in this this day and age where the uh, the new the new age kind of mysticism is becoming kind of kind of mainstream, and you get you get points for it. People are like, "Wow, look at how zen this person is," and then you know you overdose on yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned your podcast. Uh, I do want to talk about your podcast. I've listened to a handful of episodes and, oh, cool. uh, and, uh, and it seems like something you started when COVID hit. Uh, is that fair? Yeah. Dirt from the road started. Uh, yeah. Pretty much at the top of COVID um, just as kind of an experiment and uh, ended up kind of being a, a runaway kind of wagon of, uh, of fun times for me. So I just kind of kept it going, but uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I kind of 
wonder about the world of podcasting and the infinity of it all. And I try not to think about how much content there is in the world or how much music or um, because it just, if you zoom out too much on the big picture, everything just seems so um, minuscule and irrelevant. And I guess we are kind of all irrelevant, but uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say other than like, we don't have to plug my podcast. <laughs> yeah, but you did mention the name if people want to go back. <laughs> let's plug, and let's plug your podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so everybody should listen to or watch Concert Pipeline. Um, I think they already are if they're watching. Who's, the funniest, who's like the funniest uh, guest you've Ted ever Nugent. had on? Ted, Ted Nugent. Nugent. <laughs> nice. Straight up. You know, musical guests. I, I've interviewed a couple comedians, you know, but uh, but Ted Nugent, you know, on the musical sense was, I mean, talking about how he's like going to defecate down my neck through his performance and uh, that, that night. And it's, you know, I, just his, ver you know, his wor words that he used, whether you agree with him or not, uh, for, on any political level, right? Like his, uh, I mean, it was just the most interesting half hour of my interviewing life. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice uh, i'll have to check some of his interviews who is like the most mentally insane in your in like your opinion uh, mentally insane i don't i don't know or i haven't in, un, or let me see oh or... glass jaw the glass jaw guy the guy from glass jaw was uh i mean he was pretty i don't know he's pretty out there mentally from a mental sense i remember that one being he always seemed pretty depressed uh you know did you ever talk to henry rollins I never got a chance to Henry talk to it, but I heard your interview with Frank Turner about your you being a Henry Rollins fan. Oh yeah, big, uh, big fan. Uh, but we're not talking about your podcast. We're not here to talk about you. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, you. You're like interviewing me through this. This is great. You, you're a good interviewer. You're, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, um, but I've checked out your stuff too. So. <laughs> um, no, I didn't get a chance to interview Henry Rollins. Never, never went down there. But I didn't grow up on Black Flag really. My, no, neither yeah, did I. I never, sure, so. I never listened to any of that like really grungy lo-fi, you know, early punk. But I just, I, I really fell in love with him as a writer, um, and like his tour journals and stuff, which I find very inspiring. Like I've been uh, really obsessed with with both Rollins and like Hunter S. Thompson at the moment, and just like mm -hmm. the the way they write. And uh, I mean, they're they kind of both kind of hit those themes of like drifterism and like weirdoism and like lonerism quite a lot, which I relate to. Um, I mean, there are different kinds of writers, but I just love the way they write about travel. And, and Rollins is just so to the point, not even grammatically correct a lot of the time, but it's just really easy and fast to digest. And then Hunter S. Thompson just uh, just has such a kooky brain. And, uh, you know, so many writers, so many brilliant writers, I think get carried away with their, like flaunting their vocabulary and stuff um, yeah. to the point where like, well, the, the common citizen or reader can't really sw swallow it all down. But I, I feel like for the most part, when, uh, when Hunter S. Thompson is on the money, it is like his vocabulary is amazing and it's used like so gracefully and tastefully. And um, yeah, that's, those two guys have been really inspiring to read a lot of lately. Yeah. I need to read some of Hunter S. Thompson. I'm actually reading a, a little bit about Hunter S. Thompson because I'm reading uh, Jan Werner's, uh, mm. I don't know if it's a biography or memoir, how, whatever he calls it, but he's, he created Rolling Stone. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like a 500 page epic. I mean, it's huge, right? And so I'm working my way through all his stories and, uh, you know, with Rolling Stone and Hunter yeah. is, a, is a part of that, of course. And, uh, and yeah. And so I want to kind of get into some of his stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would start, yeah. I think Rum Diary is like his uh, his best book that I've read so far. I haven't read it all. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, great stuff. I mean, I usually skip over his political his political uh, writings on the political trail, a because politics don't kind of strike my fire too much recently, and also it's, I mean it's like talking about Reagan and Nixon, like guys that are long dead. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. we're we're about to move to bare naked ladies, right? And your uh, affinity for them as you grew up and how they've impacted you. And I'm what I'm interested yeah. with bare naked ladies in particular, and you're asking the questions that people don't normally ask. Uh, you've interviewed Stephen Page, and he did one of your songs. But you're also on stage with the current bare naked ladies of, of sorts, which you know obviously yeah. there's that divide. So how did the um, the current bare naked ladies situation happen? And are and are you? Yeah, tell me about that first. Yeah, so um, we I did a tour with Violent Femmes five or six years ago, um, and we I was I Gordon Gano and Brian both became pretty good pals, and I was having a breakfast with Gordon in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and I just kind of brought up my uh, my love for I told him Bare Naked Ladies were like my first favorite band as a kid, and he's yeah. like, oh wow, that's great, news geek is we we know them. I'm a good friend of Kevin, and I'll send me your songs and I'll forward it to Kevin. So Gordon uh, got me in touch with Kevin Hearn from Bare Naked Ladies, and then when I was up in Canada um, at a little festival, I don't know, six seven years ago. Um, I grabbed lunch with Kevin Hearn and he came out to the show uh, at the Cameron house in Toronto and I had a pretty good show and kind of like shut down some hecklers. It was like a good, it was a good night. It was a good night for him to be there and, and see me. So um, I, we've just kind of kept in touch over the years and I've sat in on their set before we opened for them at Summerfest this past year. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean, they're two totally separate ships at this point, like yeah. Steven Page. He was kind of my first musical hero. He's doing his own solo stuff. Um, and I do shows with him around Wisconsin every once in a while. Um, we did a song together last year called I Should Have Listened to Ferris Bueller. It's like a kind of a power pop geek rock three minute, three minute banger. I, I was I was pretty happy with. Um, so yeah, you, just, both, you were able to email him and he was just totally on board to do that. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had opened for him in Milwaukee years ago. So we kind of got to connect a little bit and talk. And uh, so he kind of knew I was not a jabroni and uh was like <laughs> actually doing it for real and not a psychopath uh so yeah he was great and you know this was at a all this stuff was at a great time because it was you know i really maximized the the pando all these all my musical heroes were sitting at home so i kind of got in touch with some of them and uh got them to guest on some songs and you know return the favor where i can and uh so yeah it's cool it's it kind of leads into this record i'm putting out in april called friend rock and every song has a um has like a musical guest slash influence of mine from over the years. So uh, not a surf, uh, Brian from Verve Pipe, uh, Ryan Miller from Guster, this fellow called H Burns, who's out of France. So yeah, that, I'm sure you've uh, maybe heard a few of the tracks on there. I've heard all of the tracks, yes. All it's right. A, yes, listened to it a couple of times. It's good stuff. Um, and um, and so, yeah, I saw Bare Naked Ladies, I saw Guster open for Bare Naked Ladies in 2001. I believe um, nice. it was. And That's an that amazing was like, bill. Yeah, I, I yeah. actually just did Ryan Miller. Is, uh, he's coming out with a podcast uh, from Guster um, in the next, sometime this year. I just did a pod with him yesterday and uh, we kind of bonded over our affinity for Bare Naked Ladies. And they do a, uh, they do like an improv song during their show a lot of times, he said, which was inspired by Bare Naked Ladies. And, uh, you know, yeah. you can see they have like a similar kind of geek rock ethos. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are some of your other favorite like geeky rock bands? Like I'd I'd call it like dork rock or like geek rock. Yeah, I know. I wanted to ask you about your term, uh, uh, dork rock, too, because I, I like it, and, uh, and obviously your music fits fits in uh, very well with that. Uh, um, some other dork rock, I don't know. Well, I, uh, I'm trying to think of ones that I, I like. I don't know if it'd be considered dork rock. My favorite my favorite band is um, anything Andrew McMahon does. Um, Everything Ooh. in Transit is Andrew McMahon from Something oh, Corporate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah but and he's, he's a little dorky uh he gets on the piano jumps around you know and yeah. everything but but it's that's more pop uh pop rock is what i'd, I'd call his music more more than dork rock um yeah, I, well, I mean I, I feel like this is sort of a thing nobody calls it this but it's yeah. sort of a thing that's kind of coming back around i've seen a lot of younger bands in their early 20s playing that kind of like 90s alternative kind of slacker like pavement all these kids i know that are 22 are obsessed with pavement yeah yeah which is cool yeah uh i I don't know what are some other ones that you're you're into like a dork dork rock sort of thing and then yeah yeah who's modern i mean to me like i mean they might be giants we're kind of arena i wasn't ever obsessed with them but i like them uh i mean gin blossoms are one of my favorite bands i don't know if you'd call them that but just i mean more recently we've done some stuff with not a surf i don't i wouldn't call it like dork rock but you know it fits in that 90s jangle pop just just really good solid unoffensive music um that kind of does its own thing It, it stays and and i like that not a surf kind of stays in their own lane like their records don't sound wildly different from one another and i think that's a good thing it's like uh you should be doing the things that you're good at and like doubling down on that rather than like trying to be this like avant-garde like uh you know reinvent the wheel every time you make an album i don't know sometimes that can get away from bands um it's kind of why i like the offspring they're dork rock you know it's like uh they pretty much made the same record for 11 years in a row and they're all awesome so um i think just uh you know, the more I play music and tour, the, you know, I, the more I've just felt comfortable and accepted that we're not like a fashionable band or a pitchfork band or, you know, these uh, 24 year olds with with comb overs and, uh, uh, you know, Rivers Cuomo glasses with no lens like they're not going to write about us. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and I think that's OK, because it's like now more than ever it's like you don't need uh you don't need the press they don't like you can get all the write-ups in the world it's not going to gain you more than a couple hundred fans necessarily um and you can play you know you can play slots at some of the big festivals it doesn't it doesn't mean it's going to change things overnight for you so i think yeah you just got to find your people um and to be honest the less cool the less quote unquote cool your fans are it's likely the more loyal they're going to be um, cause they're not going to be moving on to what's trending or what, uh, they like because other people like it, or they like the people that are in the rooms, in the venues for those types of, uh, you know, shoegaze shows or whatever. And I, I hope I don't sound like I'm shitting on any, uh, on any particular genre, but I just think it's, uh, we're, we're at where we're at and I'm pretty, pretty happy with, uh, how things are going, even though they've never like exploded or, uh, you know, I don't know if we've ever been on the the rocket ship where like ATO Records has signed us and like put us on world tours opening for uh, uh, Pixies or something. So, I, you know, I think as an independent band, it's like 
we're doing all we can do and uh that's got to be good enough otherwise uh you know we'll drive ourselves insane yeah did you ever have a dream of like getting signed to like a major label is that one of the things you, you'd like to, to see happen at some point or do you uh, do you like the, you know the part of where you have control over your music and uh, and kind of what you do yeah i mean uh i've signed like indie record deals with small labels but as far as like yeah like a bigger powerhouse label yeah of course i mean that would be great um it's uh i don't expect anything from anyone like my expectations are pretty realistic and i think uh you know we've had advocates in the music industry that have tried to that have pitched us to their friends at some of these bigger indie labels and uh and they've been really backed us and been like, Hey, you guys should sign these guys. Uh, they're fully self-funded, self-sufficient. You don't need to babysit them. They're not drug addicts. They're not booze hounds. Um, but you know, cool labels, they don't want to hear about your music through someone else. They want to find it on their own. So, um, you know, that's never panned out and it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, uh, if sub pop or one of these legends wants to release one of our records, great. Uh, but I expect, uh, you know, I just expect us to keep going on our own steam. And that's just how, that's just kind of how the world is. If, uh, especially in this day and age, if someone wants to help, great. I'm honored. I'm honored you're interested in us. Um, but people are also super busy and they're, you know, money's tight for everyone. Time is, time is thin. Stuff moves fast. So, uh, yeah. we just got to keep making good decisions and move on. Like it's, uh, we can't, we can't, uh, get bummed out if uh merge records doesn't get back to us or um you know we just got to keep keep going it doesn't matter it's it's all good yeah yeah no for sure um I, I i like your style and kind of how you kind of approach your your career too and what you do i mean you're you invest in your art and you're artistic as uh, as well and uh, you, you joke that like yeah your art hasn't progressed since you were like five or seven or whatever but uh, but you designed like a wall in your your, your kitchen or something right and, uh, yeah, and your artwork yeah. for, for your posters and everything i mean even just putting all those pieces together takes an intentionality and kind of uh, focus that i that i think is pretty cool thanks man thanks for doing research um yeah i've gotten really into painting um the past couple of years which has been a cool like supplement to you know it's just a good way to kick your own ass creatively I guess um and I'm trying to do things like outside of music parallel to music that will like kind of keep my keep my brain exercising so it doesn't just atrophy and get numb like I don't this probably you probably can't see this this is probably too big to pull off the wall but I just made I really like old uh like old um gas station signs from like the 50s and 60s so i made like a mythical like uh city of like all these uh old petrol stations and it's like this endless uh i don't know i i love abstract uh um landscapes and stuff so i've just been doing stuff like that um, yeah and then yeah so that's a good way to exercise your brain and uh i feel like that's helped helped me from going insane you know yeah yeah for for sure um and and a lot of the videos you do also, I mean, have such a creative aspect to them. You know, they, they uh, can't get enough video where you're, um, you know, playing the song through Walmart and then you get uh, kicked out, right? Like, tell me about mm. how that came came about. Yeah, well, we were just goofing off on a Saturday, um, me and the Spatola brothers. So we're just like, hey, Ben Spatola, can you just film us? We're just gonna run into this Walmart and play a song, and then uh, 
yeah, we walked all the way through down on the hardware aisle and made it, made it like two minutes and 50 seconds. And then they booted us, but it, it got, it was kind of this viral video for a while. And, uh, um, it was fun. We actually, um, we're rolling out this record. So we did another stunt we played at a Chipotle, uh, just like two days ago. So we're going to put that video up. Uh, and it was weird, man. Like, like we did a McDonald's once, like the, the more blue collar places, like really appreciate it. They really love it. Um, but when we did the Chipotle, like everyone fucking hated us. It was like, everyone just, no one looked at us. They just looked down into their taco bowl and, uh, they were like ashamed and embarrassed. They, they were not into it. And, uh, yeah, there was something just very unhuman about the whole thing. But, um, so it's interesting, like the different uh, echelons of fast food. I think you, if you're, uh, if you're going to rock a uh, fast food, you want to rock a Taco Bell or a, or a BK, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got to choose right. Huh? So, um, what took, what took you to Vietnam for two years? Uh, just, uh, aimlessness, uh, no direction, girlfriend and I split up. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I mean, it was a really important time because, um, I kind of learned how to travel. I learned how to travel cheap. I learned, it opened up a ton of time, uh, for me to write songs, you know, living in Vietnam at 15 bucks a day or whatever. Um, and it just kind of, it was hard. It was weird and lonely. And, uh, I was not staying in nice places. Like I was staying in total <laughs> rat holes. Um, but it was really important. It was a really important era. And I, I kind of feel like, yeah, living those two years in Vietnam, it was, it kind of like, it changed me as a person and it kind of broke all my dimensions and I rewired them. And I, I, that was, you know, 10, 11 years ago. And I feel like I'm, I'm due for another like big shakeup in life. Um, I don't know what that means, but it would be great to go live somewhere strange for six months to a year to just kind of rattle myself a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe learn Spanish fluently or whatever it is, uh, post up in, in Mexico or something. I, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> trying to figure that out. Um, I love Milwaukee. It's an amazing place. I own a little tiny house here. And, uh, but you know, all my friends have kind of, uh, gotten married and they're having kids and I don't see them a whole lot. So it's like, man, I, I'm getting weirder as time goes on and the world has turned and left me here, you know, track three blue album. So I don't really know, man. I don't know what's next, but uh, I feel a big, a big shakeup coming. And, uh, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll move to Kazakhstan for a year and just, uh, <laughs> It's strange. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you want kids? Is that, uh, you know, I mean, you're kind of at that age, right? Where you, you got to think about it. If, you, if that is something that you do want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be pretty cool to have uh, one kiddo, you know, yeah. I'm kind of 50, 50 on it. It fluctuates. I go back to old journals and I or read stuff that I wrote and it says, you know, I talk about wanting to have a kid and stuff. Um, I think I'm, I really think life will be great either way. I'd like to think so. Um, I love being able to make, make art full time. It's a, it's a total dream. It's a total privilege. Um, and I know, I mean, my buddy, Jeremy was like, hey, he's from Michigan. He goes, Hey, bud, if you have a kid, your career is over, bud. <laughs> so <laughs> I know, I know he's busting my chops, but there's maybe some truth to that. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a weird time. Um, I'd like to milk it a little longer and not, uh, not go for it quite yet. I, I I feel a little a little confused in romantic life and personal life as far as what comes next because you know uh, it's just such a 
it's become such a great spot. I'm in as a creative person, I've worked my ball sack off to get here where, you know, if we want to take a tour in Mexico next month, we could do it. Or, you know, if we want to post up, if I want to post up and work from, uh, I don't know, Cape town in the fall could, you know, it's all doable. Um, but, uh, yeah, you sacrifice a lot in that too. You know, you sacrifice your romantic relationships. Uh, I haven't had like a, a girlfriend in like two years, two and a half years. And, uh, that yeah. is, uh, that's, that's often a nice, a nice, um, it's nice to have a lady, you know, and the, the world's crazy. It's nice to have a nice consistent person and it really help, can help balance you out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Perhaps I'm too addicted to freedom or what. I don't really know yet. I'm still trying to figure out that side of uh, personal life. But uh, as of now, I guess morale is pretty high. Yeah, no, I mean, so I've, I've done all of that, right? So I have two kids. Um, I'm divorced. Uh, I My last relationship was a year and a half ago. And, you know, it ended kind of rough. You know, uh, yeah. so, I, so I'm not in a hurry. I'm taking the time for myself. I get time to myself and where, you know, they have days with their moms and with their moms, one mom, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but they get, that, you know, I, I get that time with them and it's, you know, it's important to have that as well. They're, they're growing totally. up too. My, my daughter's already at that age of like, you know, it doesn't need any, want anything to do with me, you know, she's turning 13 in a couple months and yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, well, still, congrats, <laughs> congrats on having two kids and congrats on getting divorced. I know it's hard, but it's like, there's, it should be celebrated at the same time. Like divorce is, is good at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we're amicable. Like we're totally, totally good. Better now than when we're near the end of the marriage for sure. Right. So, uh, so it's good. Yeah. I'm like, man, I get, my dad just encourages me. He's like, don't don't get don't get into anything don't you know yeah, don't yeah. get married again don't, don't you know you're like enjoy life and everything and i do invest in my hobbies and my passions and well, yeah your dad's yeah. a wise man i think uh my my dad and your dad would have a good time over happy hour beers you know um yeah i mean it's hard to be alone but once you get used to it it's uh it's pretty amazing when you can like yeah. sit with your own company and not freak out and um it's huge i mean i I wish I wish it for people for everyone that they could uh kind of get get long stints of 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 freedom and solo time and like solo travel. I think it's so important to just kind of like build up who you are as a person and like learn how to how to wrestle your own brain because that that thing is a real fucker sometimes and uh you got to learn how to pin how to pin it and uh you know negotiate a ceasefire with it sometimes. So um I think it's, it may, I understand why people jump into relationships and settle because it's, uh, it's scary to be alone, but, uh, there's that famous quote. It's like, uh, I've never been lonelier than in a bad relationship or something like that. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a tale as, yeah. it's a tale as old as time. It's uh, and it can happen to anyone. It could happen to me. So, um, yeah, just gotta be, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but, uh, enjoy the solitude, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like you're getting better with, with that stuff? I mean, I know you've been doing a lot of work uh, and you're very open and transparent about the, your anxiety stuff and, uh, and written about it, drawn, you know, into your, uh, into those issues. Do you think that you're in a good, good spot with, uh, with battling the stuff that goes on up here? Yeah, big time. I mean, uh, I mean, I have my wobbles and my melt. I have a one or two big meltdowns every year, uh, mentally. Um, but, you know, I mean, as my buddy Scotty said, you know, we're, we're, we're standing on a pile of miracles, which is a nice quote, because for, for whatever reason, um, 
right, right now in the, in the vernacular and the narrative, people seem to think it's cool to like, say like, Oh, the world is fucked or everything's fucked. America's on the way out. You know, these are things you like, I think people hear and then they repeat. Um, mm -hmm. And it becomes this, this thing you just sort of believe in, but in actuality, things are way more awesome than they are fucked, you know? So I think we should try to adopt that narrative of like, Hey, this is pretty awesome. Like this is, this is pretty good. Um, there's really no, you know, we have, we have most of our worries are stuff we can decide if we want to worry about them or not. I mean, there are things that are out of your control and, and health and all that stuff can be really brutal. But, uh, I mean, the amount of worries I create on my own self-inflicted unnecessary silly is, uh, an enormous amount. So I'm trying to not, I'm trying to not freak out, but it's also normal to have mental wobbles. So if you're, if you're bumming, it's okay. It's okay to be sad. Um, you know, and I've kind of, I've been on and off medication over the years and that can be really helpful to kind of improve, improve life and make things better. Um, but, uh, you know, it's weird. It's weird to be a person. It's hard to be a person, the whole thing. So, um, no reason to feel guilty if you're sad, but also, uh, let's not worry about dumb bullshit, you know, easier said yeah. than done. Yeah, uh, no, that's that's fair. Um, so with with the new album, you're getting getting on the road. You're you got a tour, um, and you're you're headed out west, but no California dates. I noticed. Uh, so, what is what does yeah, the tour look like look like for far. you? And will it will it will it expand uh, a little bit further? <laughs> yeah, well, we're doing a national tour. We're going everywhere, all over the U.S., and we're hitting Ontario, Canada. But uh, yeah, no Southern California at the moment. Um, that, you know, playing LA is brutal. I don't know. Uh, we'll, I'll get there. I'll try to bring the band. It, it might just be me by myself down there, but I'm sure Come to the Bay area. You don't have to get all the way down to LA. Come to the Bay area. This is where you, Can you, you be know? my agent in the yeah. Bay area? Yeah. 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 I'll get you from some places. All right. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I love, uh, I love California. So it'd be great to come back and, uh, smoke some of your freedom. Yes. Yeah, yes. We do have some freedom out here. Don't we? So <laughs> it is great. Um, I wanted to hit on one other thing, and you, I know you said we don't have to plug the podcast, but uh, just seeing some of the the bands that you've interviewed, and I've interviewed a number of them as well. One that was particularly joyful, and I'm interested in kind of your perspective on it, was uh, was Steve Pulse. Uh, yes. And Yes. And do you, uh, you interviewed him, uh, do you, had you met him before, or I know it was obviously virtual like, like this, but have you had a chance to meet Steve Pulse? Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I didn't even know who Steve Poltz was. And I, I played a couple solo gigs early on and I had one or two people come up after the shows and they're like, Hey, you remind me of a young Steve Poltz. And I, so I was like, oh, I went and checked him out. Um, and I don't feel like I fit in like the Americana world as, as much as he does. Uh, but I really relate to his live show. I love that. He's funny as fuck. Uh, he, you know, he builds in antics and bits and great songs. So, um, yeah, Poltz is a legend. I remember, uh, listening to him on another podcast and, and he was talking about like smoking meth with like a homeless guy. And I was like, this guy is <laughs> unbelievable. And he was talking about how they're like sweating profusely and hugging each other. And he's like telling this homeless guy that he loves him. And I just loved that. He like told that story because, uh, yeah, there it is. Brilliant. Cause it's like, yeah. if you're, my theory is that if you're like self-employed, if, if you don't have a boss, 
and you're an artist, it's really important that we tell stories like that to, to, to talk about our lows or our most human, uh, you know, sad moments or, you know, because it's not stuff everyone is allowed to talk about because they'll get fired. So Holtz is a brave man and a, a kooky, a kooky bastard. And um, I hung out with him in Nashville last time I was down there and I just, um, you know, we've only hung out a few times, but I was really impressed with him and uh, how social and mentally stable the guy is, you know, because he kind of comes yeah. off as like a maniac, uh, unhinged mental case. But he's like, to me, he's like really has his shit together. He's really mentally sound. He's positive. He doesn't, he's not a, I don't think he's super prone to depression. We talked a bit about that. Um, he's generally like a pretty, pretty up guy. And, uh, you know, he's like, he's like Nashville's dad down there. Everybody loves him. And for good reason. So, um, gotta love, gotta love Steve Poltz. Much respect. He keeps life fun, right? Yeah. I certainly, I certainly envy his, his social stamina and his ability to just be constantly optimistic. It's not something I have to that level and probably most people don't, but it's, it's very inspiring to be around just somebody who's taken life by the balls and just like really appreciates being alive. You know, some, I think he's 60 years old and he's, he feels like he's 38. So he's just a, he's just a young man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you, do you have other songs ready? I mean, I know the album hasn't even come out yet, but when you write, like, do you, do you keep other things on the back burner? Or is there stuff that hit the cutting room floor that you're like, you, you think ahead? Because this album came out pretty close to your last EP, which was like November or something, right? October, November. Yeah. I, I'm always writing songs. I, I usually have a, a record in the can or uh, at this point, like the Panda, we stockpiled a bunch of studio recordings. Like I have a whole nother record recorded, um, I don't know what we're going to do with it, but, uh, you know, and then I have a whole nother record written. Um, it excites me to think about recording music again. It's been a while, but uh, at this point, we're just kind of unloading the stuff we made over the Pando. And uh, yeah, we're going to tour, tour our balls off uh, in the spring. So we'll probably be coming to your city as long as you don't live in L.A., uh, we'll be no, there. I don't. So yeah, yeah. you don't have to come to LA. So. <laughs> come out to the Bay, and uh, it'd be great to see you. So I'd be I'd yeah. be honored to play the Bay, my dude. Yeah. Well, Brett, uh, thank you for taking the time today. Appreciate it. And, yeah, Steve, uh, you're awesome, dude. I really appreciate you. And uh, sounds sounds like we got a lot of musical taste overlap. And uh, thanks for listening to me, uh, Motormouth over here. We do. And I'll leave you this: that you know, you you shared a story about you know uh, telling bare naked ladies that you know you were for their they were your first favorite band i did that same sort of thing with my first favorite band it didn't turn out the same uh it was smash mouth and what happened <laughs> and, uh yeah so i was interviewing smash mouth and dropped that line right and uh and steve harrow was like i'm sorry <laughs> that's actually that's amazing <laughs> yeah but but i did have their new lead singer on because they have a new lead singer you know um and i don't know how familiar you yeah, are yeah. but you being into that 90s music you might know but they have a new lead singer and i interviewed him last year um and told him that uh, you know as he's kind of taking over the realm and hadn't even played many shows you know so i dove deep and that was a much much more you know valuable he, i think does he sound like yeah. steve harwell in you know he, he doesn't try to replicate it exactly uh, or anything yeah. he's not trying to copy that but he but also kind of still keep the smash mouth uh you know enterprise alive right sure. so uh so 
yeah, he has enough of that flair, but brings his own uh, stuff to it. You know, I was kind of curious because he he's been in a bunch of other bands and I'm like, are you going to be playing guitar? Like, are you going to bring guitar to Smash Mouth as a lead singer? Because Steve Harwell never did that. And he's like, nah, not at least not at first and everything. But yeah, uh, he's out playing the hits, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, well, on, on that note, I just went and saw Stone Temple Pilots last summer and they have a they have like a clone Scott Weiland which really? is really weird the guy's like an actor like great singer good front man but but they dress him up like scott weiland they give him the same shades same haircut um i think most of the crowd doesn't wow. even know scott weiland doesn't it, i don't a lot think of them might know. know that not know the difference right people you get people no. who are just like i just like the band i like these songs i don't know who the lead singer is i don't care just play dude play all-star play you know they're better they're hits. better without yeah. scott weiland like he i saw them oh. with scott he was drunk and uh yeah he was a booze bag uh, it's a shame. I mean, he's a he's a legend. I uh, I love his his work and his songs. But uh, it was great to see Stone Temple Pilots and see that band back together because the the guys deserve it. And they're uh, it's such a great band. The 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 Deleo brothers on the bass and the uh, the electric guitar. It's like wow, what a tight band. What a powerful band for just three men doing the yeah. doing the tunes. You know. I saw them with Chester Bennington um, as the lead oh, singer when nice. he took over for a little bit. Yeah, that was interesting. I'm like, uh, I don't know if this is necessary, but uh. yeah, <laughs> Lincoln I, Park. I mean, really innovative band. I always like they always sounded like two bands because uh, like Chester Bennington was just like the best rock singer ever, and uh, Mike Mike Chino, yeah. Yeah, and then he would yeah. the the other guy comes in and says, "One day, I don't know <laughs> why. It why. doesn't even matter how hard. Like, get rid of that guy and just have Chester Bennington do the whole thing." Right, right. They're putting putting everything too far into much. And and I saw Scott Weiland also like six months before he died. And Scott Weiland in the Wildabouts, and it just was sad, you know. Yeah. The same sort of thing. It was like it wasn't a surprise, you know. But it's just this guy. It was a rough plummet. But man, yeah, he had that's no chance. I need to know something more positive, Brad. You got some, some give me something positive here. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> something more positive. Um uh, the Bucks are really good this year. They're fucking yeah, awesome, they you know. Yeah. They, now uh they play lacrosse, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> is the goalie. He's real good at blocking pucks. Yeah, yeah. Hard yeah. pucks. I really waved my you know sports hat around at the beginning of the interview, so I figured that brought it full round full circle. There, there you go. go. Let's put money We're on good. the game tomorrow night. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Well, Brett, thank you for for the time <laughs> and and uh, and all the laughs and everything and the great stories. I, I appreciate it and uh, and good luck with the album as it comes out too. I know you're probably pretty stoked for it. So. Thanks, Steve. You're you're a legend, man. I appreciate it. That was the interview with Newski here on Concert Pipeline, and that takes us to the final segment on the program, the music news. All right, I have a couple stories to wind out the program for the day. Uh, so we're going to get into that. Um, we'll hit some of the headlines. I'll try and get through them kind of quick. Um, I meant to prepare for this, but I'm going to get up. So First story up is about U2. Uh, they have they put out a new take on their song "Beautiful Day" uh, and from the year 2000. Can't believe it was that long ago. It's crazy. Um, I saw them on the uh, on the tour for that album. I think the Elevation tour. Um, uh, but that was like 2001. Uh, and 
uh, taken from their forthcoming album, Songs of Surrender. Uh, the record, which will be le released on March 17th, St. Paddy's Day, uh, will see the Irish band re-record 40 songs from across their back catalog, reworking and reimagining them in the process. Uh, and so they did a new version of Beautiful Day. Uh, and Bono's vocal performance finds new dynamics and emotion. Um, you can check that the version of that song out online. Bono also has a book out uh, called Surrender, uh, 40 Songs, uh, One Story. And it is a very thick book, very thick, many, many pages. Um, and I like to read memoirs and stories from musical artists and people that I respect. So I picked this one up from the library and I'm trying, I'm trying to get through it. Um, there's a lot to read. So uh, I, need to, I need to spend some more time with it, but I got a lot going on. So I'm gonna dig into that a little bit as well. Um, so first story, uh, uh, Roger Waters has shared a first snippet of the Dark Side of the Moon re-recordings. We're speaking of re-recordings. Uh, it's not a replacement of the original, which obviously is irreplaceable, he acknowledged in a video previewing the rework of Us and Them. Uh, and so that's, this marked the 50th anniversary on March 1st of the, that album. What, I mean, what a milestone, right? So there's a short, short clip on YouTube of him listening to the first verse of it. Uh, and there's a lengthy statement in the description acknowledging it's not, it's not a replacement. So he's not looking to replace it. He's just revisiting it, I guess, right? So uh, he's looking back across the intervening 50 years into the eyes of the 29 year old and say, to quote a poem of him, uh, a poem of his and his father's, we did our best, we kept his trust. Our dad would have been proud of us. Um, so. Uh, he said, and also it is a way for him to honor a re recording that Nick and Rick and Dave and him have uh, every right to be very proud of. So, um, so good news for Roger Waters. Some sad news, sad, sad news. Ben Queller, uh, he's his 16 year old son, Dorian, died in a car accident. Um, and he described his son as the kindest, gentlest soul, a friend to all. Um, his son was going to play South by Southwest also coming up. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, it's really sad. We've had Ben on the program, um, just a couple of years back actually, and, um, talked to him actually about a near death experience him and his family, uh, almost had, but I mean, there's no way you can prepare for, for losing a kid. So, uh, I don't, I don't want to go too far into it because it's, it, it's pretty emotional. Uh, but he was only 16 and he died. Uh, and, um, but just know, you know, my thoughts go out to Ben Queller and his, his family. Uh, and I know Nuski also shares in that sentiment as well. I saw he, he uh, uh, he liked that, uh, that post from Ben Queller. He showed, shared some love on it. Uh, so, um, so our thoughts are with the, the, the Quellers at this time and, um, keep it, they want to keep his spirit alive, um, with the memory and music that he made. Um, all right, Metallica has released uh, a menacing new single, If Darkness Had a Sun. Uh, and this song is the third signal, single after Screaming Suicide and Lux Eterna to be taken from the band's upcoming album, 72 Seasons, which will be released on April 14th. Uh, Metallica teased uh, this song on TikTok and shared an 80 second instrumental of the new song there uh, featuring each band member duetting with their bandmates. Uh, and the video started out with just uh, Lars with each band member joining in one by one. Uh, and so um, new Metallica music coming out if you're a Metallica fan. 
sad news for uh, for Blink-182 fans. Well, I guess, I mean, I, I don't know that anything's canceled, but Travis Barker is having surgery on an injured finger ahead of the Blink-182 tour that is about to start. Um, he dislocated and tore ligaments in his finger while rehearsing for the tour. Um, I heard from a friend that they were supposed to have a pretty intimate show in Los Angeles uh, to prepare for the tour, which had to be canceled because of uh, this, this injury. So um, this happened last month. Travis showed a video on Instagram um, of someone putting his finger back in place, oh, along with a photo of him and his injured finger in a brace. Uh, so um, good thoughts to Travis Barker as well. On the, I mean, he's a badass. He's going to get after it. Nothing's going to stop him, I know. But uh, uh, but, uh, but hopefully it doesn't affect the tour, right? So um, all right, last story uh, here is, uh, has to do with Dave Grohl, who we try and talk about every episode, if we can, um, at the end of the program. He smoked barbecue during the storm to help for feed 450 homeless people in Los Angeles. Um, and so he, I mean, he spent a lot of time doing it. And so he showed up at Hope uh, the Mission on February 22nd uh, with a number of his friends and barbecue smokers in tow to, to, to support the mission's shelters. He provided the food and the time and got caught cooking over 24 hours in the middle of the storm last week. Um, and uh, I mean, he just made up some great barbecue. He's got a barbecue joint and he's all about it, right? So um, he stayed to serve his food to all our participants and the Trebek Center uh, at the Trebek Center in the Northwest San Fernando Valley uh, and just cooked a bunch of dinners, right? And uh, he, uh, let's see here, Chief CEO and founder uh, Ken Croft and Rowan Van Sleeve, mission president and chief financial officer, kept busy as well, running 350 miles from Las Vegas to Los Angeles in an effort to fundraise the $350,000 needed to open their next three family shelters. So they were running for a good cause and uh, Dave was cooking for a good cause. So that is our show for today. So thank you for tuning into Concert Pipeline. Really appreciate it. Uh, next week on the program, we have Joanne Shaw Taylor. Uh, I had a great chat with her. We're going to bring that to you next week. So for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, I'm Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time.